Welcome back to the Pitch Pod, another episode. I'm your host, Jeff Stebbins. Thank you so much for joining us today. With me, as always, joining us is Joe Jenner, one of the most cultured people I know. I'm so happy and privileged to have him on the pod with us. <laughs> Joe, how are you doing tonight? Culture, is, is it something about those jackets? Is it, I mean... It's gotten cold, but it's not freezing. But I just, you know, just trying to keep warm and add to the ambience of the pitch pass pod. So I'm always glad to be here. Uh, well, we're we're happy to have you. So thanks for coming and, and sharing some of that worldwide wisdom with us. We appreciate that. For sure, anytime. Glad to be here. So, so it's been pretty exciting. We've had some some pretty exciting games recently even today, that we were just reviewing. So, Joe, can you kind of fill us in on, on kind of the happenings of the World Cup and, and kind of some key moments that we should probably discuss before getting into our U.S. recap? Well, I think you have to mention England with the sounding defeat over Senegal. Maybe notably in that contest, Kane with his first goal to open up his World Cup 2022 account. So I think if you're an English supporter, you definitely got to be excited about the fact that they had a dominant performance, won, and they'll go on to face a French team that also pretty well advanced in the sense that they dominated a Polish side and won 3-1. Olivia Drew with a goal to make him the all-time French goal scorer for them. So congratulations to him and the team advanced for a very – Exciting matchup in a quarterfinal with the France versus the England side. So I think that's probably the biggest news of the World Cup as of today. Yeah, I agree. Uh, France and England both kind of showed how dominant they can be, kind of separated themselves with those performances that we saw. And Mbappe having a big day as well, coming in with two very well-earned goals that uh, just show the kind of talent he has as a player and what kind of contributions he can bring to a club. So really impressive play all around. And the next couple of days, we got some, some really exciting games that are coming as well. Uh, Portugal is going to be playing. Brazil is going to be playing. And as I said, we already have our brackets, our predictions, but I'm, I'm kind of curious how it's going to play out in real time over these next couple of days. I would agree. I mean, based on what we've seen throughout the tournament so far, you have to anticipate there's going to be a surprise. So far, the first place team, or if you could say the favorite, has won to go through to set up quarterfinal matches, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be consistently be what we're going to see. So, where that is, when it is, it's to be determined. But definitely continue to be excited about where this tournament's going and some of these results in these upcoming matches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully everyone's been having fun at home, following along. Hopefully you had a chance to dot your own bracket and you're enjoying these games like Joe and myself. Uh, but now we're going to talk about a topic maybe not as fun, something that really kind of hurts you know, soccer fans like Joe and myself to the core. 
Team USA, as everyone is aware by now, is out of the tournament. Joe, can you kind of break that down for us, please? I think the part that hurts the most is the, the means and way which came about. And, and getting beat 3-1 and witnessing and, and watching a outmatched team that I think all three goals really came from breakdowns and transition to defend. So, I mean, you could always say that they were preventable or they should have happened. We could have done more. But I think the, the very nature of the fact that the performance level just dropped off significantly from what we saw in the lead in the group stage to have them lose to the Netherlands in that way with a, with a poor performance, it does make it, I think, additionally disheartening and, and hurtful and, and disappointing for a USA soccer supporter such as ourselves. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was tough, not necessarily because we lost, but the way that we lost. I mean, this is a team talented enough to draw with England, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, should that should say, say something. something. So, so to see us just get demolished throughout that, that game and be time and time again, as you said, through defensive breakdowns, but also on the other end, not having, having too much success, to see it, to see that year in the World Cup and go home on that note is, is a bit sour, for sure, and, and a tough pill for a lot of us to swallow. Um, what? What are, what are some things, things you think, think we could have or should have done to improve our chances going against that, that strong team from the Netherlands? I mean, I, th- I think before even getting to that state, I think there's something to say about the, f- the fact that it, they could have scored more. And it was that was the one bit that I think is even more difficult to look at. I think if it hadn't been for a couple saves by Matt Turner, including the double save that he made late in the game to, to keep it where it was, I, I think we could have been looking at a goal or – Differential that could have been even more so in terms of what USA could have done to prevent that. It's more so along the lines. I mean, you know what the Netherlands were going to bring into this. We talked about it in the previous episode. We knew it's going to be very methodical in a sense of they went in there with the game plan. They knew what they were going to do. They were going to be very proactive in a sense of having means to keep the ball when they needed to, to play progressively, to push themselves into the attack to break lines, to get into positions, to score goals. Whether and in this case, it wasn't even so much the run of play, but this was where USA broke down. I mean, again, to, to say what could have been done or what should have been done is could have had an awareness in all those moments of transitions where once the Netherlands got what got the ball, can we drop back and get into a shape, defensive shape to prevent them from having such ease to go about scoring. So if you were, again, you want to talk about what could have, should have been done. It would have been a preparation for those moments. What were we going to do when we had the ball, lost it in a position to set ourselves to defend and not be torn apart and, and have those many chances and those goals scored against us? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think a, a lot, lot of it comes, comes down, down to getting back, back to the basics, basics which you wouldn't necessarily think, think you would have to for a team that's qualified for the World Cup and gotten as far in the round of 16. But well, you've seen some, some of these players do some things that you expect them to already know how to do. Be it getting back on defense if you're a winger and communicating with the fullbacks that are back there that are rotating in. It could be uh, not to pick on any player specifically, but 
uh, first, first touch was, was crucial. We, we lost, lost a goal due to Wea having, having an awful first touch, that wide open net, and we just lost that opportunity because it was just an awful first touch, and, and, and uh, that, that could have been a huge momentum builder. Or even, uh, you know, McKinney kicking it over the crossbar. I don't know how many times this tournament. Where, you know, if you get that on frame, at least we have a chance for deflection, or who knows what happens, right? So, and an easy goal, I think, just being there in the mix and picking up some trash. And, and, and really, that's kind of how our goal did happen. It was just a cross in the box. It wasn't a pretty goal, but it, was, it got messy and, and deflections. And you could say that it was intentionally touched or whatever, but that's how we got our goal in a messy way. And so when you just, you know, power that ball away over the crossbar, hoping for some miracle kick that maybe we're not capable of, it takes away any opportunity to score or get a corner off that play or on their end of the field. So I think a lot of it's getting back to the basics. And then more specifically, uh, you and I already talked about this, but, you know, Polsic was struggling throughout the tournament with corners. And... You know, you know, that would, you know, as, as a coach, coach or other teammate, maybe, maybe someone else steps up and takes those kicks and, and, and eases the box. But those, those are just some basic things that it's frustrating when you see uh, our team can be at this high level doing those simple things that we should already have mastered, right? I agree. For most of what you presented there, you're looking at what we did or didn't do from an attacking perspective. And yes, of course, we scored the one, but, and you said messy. And then we talk about not coaching lucky or unlucky. I, you might say this is lucky in a sense. I mean, the, the, how he flipped the ball and the ball's up there and the projector, trajectory and it goes over. Okay, there's, there's one. But we knew, I, I think we both knew, thought that it was going to take more than one in this contest. So I, my, oh, pri- sure. my primary focus has been more so, again, though, in the lackluster ability to transition to defend. In a sense, I think in the first goal, while it was brilliant, passing and I think I counted 20 passes before the final strike to score that first goal. There was a lot that was wrong in the way the wings that the our mids were pressing there. A little, I thought too high at the wrong place, the wrong time. It was easy to move the ball from side to side, get in behind them, and then actually present them with an easy situation to finally get the final shot on. And then in the second, and that was partially, and if you get to go back and watch, I don't want to get too critical on one particular player, but it was a center defensive mid by the name of Tyler Adams, that, that that just seemed to be jogging back. And if, had he picked up his man to run, that, that was the guy that scored the goal in, in that case. But again, there was a lot that broke down and went wrong up to that point. And then if you look at the second goal, it looks like the center back's dropping back and way too much to open up that space. I mean, you can see the two of them almost onto the exactly the line of the six, open up 12 yards for the for Lynn to come on and finalize there. So I, I thought, again, the, the defensive transition or transition to defend was was very suspect in a sense of allowing for those three goals. And like I said, it could have been more in several other instances where chances were created for it was similar instances. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, coming, coming out, out in a 4-3-3, that, that's, that's what Berhalter chose to do with, with which, you know, you know there's, there's different, different thoughts on that. that. But uh, one, one noticeable change, change they did to the lineup was starting Jesus, Jesus and I had been talking Jesus up quite a bit. I've been hopeful, and I was excited to see him play. And it didn't pay out. It didn't work out too well. 
Um, you know, would, would, would there have been a big difference if there's another attacker as opposed to Jesus up top? I doubt it. But he, he didn't have any impact, really. So it's kind of disappointing with that. And, you know, had Berhalter played earlier in the tournament, we could have already made that determination and then have Reina start in that position. That could have been a game changer right there. What do you think about that, Joe? Well, I think some of what you suggest is that maybe we didn't know we as in the coaching staff of us soccer and the staff there didn't really know what they had to work with and how to go about in this tournament format, how to get players rotated in to allow them to show what they could or couldn't do or what the system was going to allow for them to produce within it early enough to that. When you get to the knockout round, you're putting in a guy that hadn't played any minutes up top to play the number nine. We already knew that there was a team that struggled to get the ball to into those positions to allow for a player like him to have opportunities. So like you all said it again, it would have made a difference if Sargent was healthy and he could have been the guy to start. I don't know, but it is a little bit disappointing. I don't know the actual numbers, but I think it was minimal touches that he had and minimal influence on the game enough where after 45 minutes, they, they pulled the plug on it. But like, I think what you're saying again, and I think that's the point, is had there been opportunities to get him in earlier in the previous matches, maybe we already known it's not even then uh, part of the equation, like you suggested, Arena gets the start, plays over there on the right. I think you saw the most brilliant work, his technical ability to be able to play on the wing and, and make the play develop from that those areas, that that's where you would have had him play in the starting role, and, and maybe the game changes in that sense. Yeah, you saw an immediate change in, in, in energy when Reyna entered the game and someone who could make stuff happen and willing to make stuff happen. And he's like, man, where was this guy the whole tournament is, is kind of what most of us were thinking. And, um, you know, we're not the first to, to bring up this topic about Berhalter, our manager, but there's been a lot of criticism. And, you know, I, I guess I'm going to ask you a question here. And, you know, uh, most people have been fairly uh, reserved with, with, with what their recommendations would be uh, that I've seen so far, but some people feel pretty strongly one way or the other. So if you're, if you're the one calling the shots, Joe, right, Team USA, and you're down to the decision on whether or not to keep Berhalter as manager, the head coach, do you keep them for another four years or try something else? Big time question, Jeff. And what I think that they're going to be looking at and where he may get himself off the hook, out of the hot seat, if you will, is the youth. Is the fact that I think that's where they're going to go. I think that they're going to look and say, this is a young team. The expectations were minimal. From whom? I don't know. From you and I, I think we looked early on in the tournament to suggest that where they would be not only performance-wise but points-wise to get through the knockout round was just about in line with the expectations. So it might be a little bit harsh if that's the case that finishing second in a group behind England, which was most people projected and thought that it was very much possible, and they did it, to get themselves into a knockout round versus Netherlands to lose in that way with a youthful side is I think what a lot of people that are going to be in power, going to be making those decisions, are going to be leaning on as their reasoning. Now, Jeff, I don't want to dance around the question, 
But if you held it to me in, in a sense that you wanted to really know where I am, I don't know how the guy goes on and gets the nod to continue. Now, with that being said, it's probably harsh to suggest I, where's the list of names? What's the short list of names that come into is it? Do we continue within the U.S. system? Is there an American coach that's out there and available that is the guy that's going to get this done in another in the next cycle? Is are we going to look outside the borders of the United States to find coaching inspiration from others with other ideas about how to go about this? As we continue to do, as it's been seemingly been done over, could you say a generation in the sense that it's always can we find what's going on outside of our our borders to bring somebody else in with another idea from what others are doing there, or do we really look inside what is U.S. soccer? What do we have to work with with people that are on the ground, grassroots people? I happen to know one myself that's there and can tell you exactly what the talent is and what we have in this country to work with. And I just don't think that those that are again, Jeff, I, I, it's hard for me to dance around it. Those that are in the ivory tower, if you will. Are, are prone to be privy enough to know what else is going on and to continue to do the same thing. If that's, if that's what you want to do, you can do the same thing over and over again. We're going to be here in 2026 with maybe a little bit older squad, a little bit older, a uh, little bit more experienced guys that have played a little bit longer, maybe even together to go about doing it. It's going to be a different format. They're going to be stateside. It's going to have all the makings of what should be higher expectations, whether it's Greg Halter or somebody else. So, again, to get down to it, the question to answer, I would say that I would be looking elsewhere. Okay, okay that's, that's pretty good analysis. analysis. Thank, Thank you. I and I, I, I completely I understand that's the narrative. It's young, young team, low expectations. But when, when I'm, I'm and I'll, I'll be a, a little bit more uh, straight, straight to the answer, answer. Okay. here. <laughs> that's fair. When, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm watching, when I'm watching, watching the tournament. tournament you know, I'm, I'm looking, looking, is the coach, is he demonstrating a lot of leadership? Is he displaying passion, professionalism? And I just didn't see it to the degree that I would have hoped for. And then I think there's too many questionable decisions throughout the tournament. We, we kind of skated by a couple of those games when better management, maybe we win those games easy as we move on with a little momentum. Maybe we can compete with the Netherlands if, if, if the game plan's there, if, if we're ready. Tactically, um, the structure, our lineups, everything. Um, so it, for me, it's, I wasn't happy with the game decisions. And overall, I, I would definitely, definitely go in a different direction. Um, and that's, you know, no, no offense to Greg and his efforts by any means, but... Uh, I think we need to have higher expectations and, and get results and, and not have those excuses of, well, there you go. Because, you know, what's, what's, what's going to be an eight years? Well, they're an old team. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're not the perfect age you averaged out. So, for me, I, I pass on them and I say, let's go get better results. That's, that's where I'm at with it. And number two, if I heard you correctly, you, you are available. available. If, if, if Team, Team USA, USA comes, comes knocking, Joe, Joe Janner is available. Jeff, I mean, you know what my aspirations are as both personally and professionally in this game. And love to be a part of the U.S. soccer organization. Love to be able to put myself in there. Whether it's at the top management position, I, I do know that I have something to offer to U.S. soccer in terms of identifying the talent that is here within this country, right here, right now, that is being overlooked 
numerous occasions in a situation. Now, to, to go to your point there, I don't, I don't know that you said it, if you would agree that the talent was in the squad. I still think that there is more time that we need to be able to develop the talent to get to the level to compete with the likes of these European sides and these nations that have years and generations of way more experience in putting together these these squads and the development of players and and finding the right manager to be in the position to do so. But again, not to continue a theme to dance around the, the question, Jeff, if they come knocking on the door, I'm going to answer and, and let them know. I would, uh, there's other people that are going for the job, but I'd feel, I'd feel comfortable and happy with you getting it. So I think you could help resolve some of these issues that we're kind of analyzing right now. So if they do come knocking, I hope you say yes. Looking ahead here, we got a pretty fun upcoming match. Spain v. Morocco, that's the match that we chose to focus on since, unfortunately, Team USA is out. Spain is FIFA ranked number seven in the world, going against Morocco, number 22. People are giving Spain a 59% chance likelihood of winning, whereas Morocco is getting only a 6% chance of winning this match. So, Joe, can you tell us a little bit about Spain and what they're offering, what their strengths are, their main players, as we go into looking at this match before we make our predictions? For sure, in a sense, I do know following Spain, where they are, what they've done. For me, a lot of what I'm excited about for this upcoming contest is that I, what we have witnessed is a team that can dominate possession with a purpose, can create chances, score as needed, at will, numbers-wise. And it's not just one player. It's several players that, that continue to provide and perform and produce for the team. I think if you look back, one of the more interesting, because most and many critics, not only here, but in Spain, they're very harsh on Morata and what, what he's done as a forward and as a striker within their, maybe strikers in quotes, in the sense that he's very much that opportunistic poacher of a goal scorer. Fine, get it done. And, and every match he has scored a goal. So I think that's something to be excited about. That maybe it's turning a little bit of a quarter in terms of what he can do. There's, you know, you have Asensio. Olmo, Danny Olmo up top to score. Baron Torres that, that has the ability to score as well. And you've seen all those guys put one in the back of net in this tournament. And I think that's probably what's most exciting about Team Barcelona. I mean, Team Spain, since you have Barcelona midfielders there. You know, you know what you're going to get from Spain going into this contest. And I think that I have them favored to win. Yeah, and so you kind of mentioned a couple of their strong players, the striker there that seems to get it done. We talked about how the Netherlands kind of slowed the pace of the game down and it was very methodical. What should we expect to see from Spain as far as pace of the game, aggressiveness? What kind of lineup do you expect to come out in? What formation would you say that you expect to see from them? We'll continue to play in the one four three three, the very much possession base, and 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 you know that for me or for others, it's it's probably better translated in Spanish or maybe English is fine. Death by a thousand passes, the idea of them moving the ball and circulating the ball, breaking up the defense again. But what they they were highly criticized in the Euros as being very much a possession based team, but needed to shift and push a little bit more to having a purpose with that possession and be able to find the penetrating path, be able to create chances. 
in the final third. And as I suggested before, they've done that. They've created chances. They've scored there. They will be able to present themselves as a dominant team. I think you're going to see the ball movement very quickly, multiple passes as suggested. And you're going to see a Moroccan team that I think is going to have a hard time keeping up with that. So I think for me, Spain dominates possession, creates chances, scores when needed, and comes up victorious in this round of 16 match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, I, I could see that definitely playing out. Right. I, don't I don't want to count Morocco out completely. completely. They, they need some really solid teams to get here. They're really scruffy. Kind of reminds me of Ecuador in that sense. So I never want to count them out completely. It seems like they have so many different scores and options up top. There's not really one guy out for There's so many different potential guys that can put the ball in the back net. So I don't, I don't want to count, count them out either, but I am ready for my prediction, prediction whenever you are, Joe. Sure. I, I'm, I'm excited about the match because I think that both teams are going to be going for it early on. I think at the, the time the whistle blows, both teams are going to be going for it to the advantage of Spain because I think that they maybe you have a rocket team that's overzealous in a sense. That, I mean, they finished top of their group. Good for them. But, but it's a Spanish side that, again, I'm very much – in support of in in doing what they've been doing and we'll and see that happen and I have them winning this one three one. Three one. Alright. So that that would be a pretty exciting match for sure. I not to kinda jump on your coattails or anything like that. Um my prediction is slightly different. I do have Spain winning. As, As most people, people do. do. Uh, but I think it's going to be a little tighter than that. A little closer. I think, I think Morocco's going to fight. And, and so I'm going to give Spain the nod 2-1. Okay, so we both have the Spanish side moving on into the, the quarterfinals with wind. Whether they score two, whether they score three, and, and how they go about doing it again, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those goals or the two that you suggest come from multiple sources. I don't think it's going to be one goal score. I think if, it, if they continue the theme of the tournament, they're, they're going to see a couple of few of those goals go in by different players. And that's what will be exciting about it. And they go through, as you suggested, whether it be the 2-1 or the 3-1, it'll be, it'll be good for a Spanish team to advance to this stage. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and Joe, you're, you're not biased in this match by chance, are you? You don't have any leanings on one side or the other. You're pretty, pretty straight, straight down the middle, right? I mean, it'd, it'd be really difficult to, to suggest that I might have, you know, taken on a preference to another nation out of the United States, especially after my pitch to U.S. soccer for the job there, and then and then to where the U.S. The, where the Spanish I suggest I might have a special affinity for Spain, the nation, the country, and the people, and the football there. But, Jeff, I mean, who am I to say? I, I, but, again, I, I just make it a prediction based on, on what I have seen through the tournament. Spain wins 3-1. Fair enough. I'm, I'm saying, saying Spain, Spain wins 2-1. Joe, Joe, thanks for joining us. us. Thank, Thank you for sharing everything. Um, hopefully, hopefully everyone's enjoying the World Cup, enjoying our content. content. Please, Please like, like, subscribe, and, and as always, keep pitching out, out there, everybody. In a game, the round ball, round posts, anything can happen. <laughs>